You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 20th of April. I'm John Herfinan from our Customer Treasury Unit and I am joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to discuss recent developments on financial markets. We'll take a particular focus on the major currency pairs' performance this year. Good morning, Oliver. Um, year to date, we have seen euro dollar exchange rate as high as 123 to figure, as low as 117.18 there, thereabouts. Your dollar has returned to kind of the midpoint of that range. Can you kind of explain to our listeners the dynamics of what we've seen in this currency pair so far this year? Yeah, well, generally in the currency markets, the main currency pairs, I suppose what we've seen has been a strengthening of the dollar and a strengthening of sterling and a weakening of the euro and a weakening of the yen. And if you take yourself back to the start of the year, um, the dollar lost a lot of ground. Now, it was obviously a very, very, it reached very elevated levels this time last year, but it lost a lot of ground over the, you know, the, the final three quarters of 2020. And a large part of the reason for that was, you know, the, the Fed cut rates. The, the, the dollar did enjoy quite an interest rate advantage, but the Fed cut rates to zero. The ECB and the, and the Bank of Japan, those central banks did not move rates at all. They were already quite negative. So um, the expectation was the dollar would continue to weaken in 2021, but that didn't transpire to be the case in the first quarter. The dollar rose against most currencies. Now, we were very short the dollar. Market position was short the dollar at the start of the year. And what we saw then over the course of the first quarter was, um, you know, stronger than expected growth in the U.S. And then this enormous fiscal stimulus package uh, unveiled and passed by President Biden. And that triggered expectations that we would get earlier than expected rate hikes in the US and we saw a sharp rise in long-term interest rates. So that propelled the dollar higher with also traders trading out or closing out those short positions in the dollar. So as you say, the euro fell back from 123 at the start of the year, back below as low as 117. Uh, so what we've seen in the last couple of weeks has been some unwinding of that rise in US um, interest rates. Uh, we also are in a position now where the market position is much more neutral to the dollar, and that's allowed the euro uh, to recover some ground back up towards 120. And when you say it's more neutral, Oliver, explain to our listeners what you mean. Is it in terms of how much dollars people are holding? It's in terms of traders' position whether they expect the currency to go up or down. So traders were short the currency at the start of the year in anticipation that the dollar would continue to weaken. And when that didn't happen, they had to buy back their dollars. Uh, so now traders, it's like ourselves here, we're, we're finding it pretty hard to call the direction in currencies from these sort of levels. So we're neutral in our view. And actually, so a lot of traders, they're neither short nor long the dollar. And that applies to a number of other currencies as well. The same applies to the euro. So we have neutral market positioning, which sort of tells you, um, after the move as we've seen over the last three or four months, traders are scratching their heads and saying, which way is this currency going to go? Uh, and they're finding it hard to make that call. Now, a big driver of currency markets in the earlier part of the year was actually the rollout of vaccines because the quicker vaccines are rolled out, obviously the quicker economies reopen uh, and the quicker economies rebound, and then that feeds into interest expectations. So it was interesting that in both um, the Eurozone and in Japan, where vaccines were slow to be rolled out, uh, we saw uh, those currencies go into retreat, whereas in the UK and the US, where vaccines were rolled out at quite a rapid rate, um, we saw those currencies strengthen. Now what we're seeing is you know, the, the pace of vaccination picking up in the rest of Europe, uh, and that may be helping the euro as well. And Ali, the vaccine um, dynamic aside, and undoubtedly that has been a big, a big, big driver, do you think the markets are now starting to listen to what the central banks are saying 
in that they've quasi stepped off the pitch and with the kind of yields going lower in America and the softer dollar tones, it seems like the markets are actually listening to what the Fed are saying. Yeah, we actually have the ECB meeting this week and we'll have the Fed the following week. And I think what we've seen is central banks take a lot of action over the last 12 months, be it rate cuts or quantitative easing. And even uh, at their last meeting in early March, we saw the ECB step up the pace of bond purchases and others accelerate their QE program. Now when the economy is recovering, uh, I think the expectation is, as we say in the markets, that the central banks are taken to the sidelines, which means policy remain on hold. And as you say, they're saying to the markets, will be no hurry to increase interest rates here. Now, particularly in the US and in the in the UK, markets are not quite that convinced and are pricing in rate hikes for next year in both the UK and the US, which is one of the factors behind the appreciation of both sterling and the dollar in the first quarter of the year. But central banks have been stressing um, that they will not go for early monetary tightening. And it may well be that uh, markets are beginning to take that message on board. Um, uh, as I say, we've, we've seen over the last week quite a sharp fall in long-term interest rates in both the US and the UK. Now, there hasn't been any great move in um, interest rate expectations, but there's quite a gap has opened up now between short-term rates, which are virtually zero in the UK and the US, and let's take 10-year bond yields, which are 1.75%. That's a lot of tightening priced in by markets. So um, we, may, we may be seeing profit taken there, uh, and we, we, we may also be seeing long-term investors uh, come in uh, to buy bonds uh, in those particular two economies, especially given that uh, the rates have backed up a lot or increased a lot in the opening months of the year. And if you look at the recent interest rate monthly that you and your team put out, Ollie, just at the end of last week, and I'd encourage our listeners to go seek it out on aob.ie forward slash FX Center. It's well worth reading. Ollie and his team go way more in depth into it. But if you were to read that, you would see that the house view at the moment for AIB would be for euro sterling to stay range bound between, say, 84p and 92p, kind of as broad strokes. What do you think is going to happen with euro sterling now? As you say, the vaccine program boost that gave to the economy, kind of gave to the currency pair initially, has somewhat tapered off as Europe starts to get its act together. Um, do you see sterling? staying where we are more or less or do you can you see it depreciate a little bit well actually you're right again sterling was one of those main currencies that recovered in the first three months of the year um and the euro dropped back it was 90 at the start of the year fell back all the way to 85 in early april just two weeks ago and now as the euro has moved back up to around the 87p level i think um the, you know, sterling rolls against a broad range of currencies now maybe partly due to the um, trade deal concluded at the end of last year between the eu and the uh, uk which took a hard brexit off the off the table but i think what we've seen in the uk a bit like the us has growth expectations or growth forecasts revised strongly upwards i mean the bank of england is talking about very strong growth in the second half of this year and also for 2022 a hardening of interest rate expectations and I think that was a major factor behind the rally in sterling. But it has sort of run out of gas in the last couple of weeks and retreated a bit. And again, when you go back and look at market positioning, the market now is gone quite long uh, sterling. So mark, you know, traders have a lot of sterling on board. So I would think it's certainly hard to see this, the rally we witnessed in sterling in the first quarter continuing in this quarter. And it has given back some ground. So again, um, we may well see, as you said, we, we think we will now be into a period of uh, of range trading for uh, euro sterling, maybe between eighty five and uh, and ninety p. Um, you know, 
we already know now at this stage of markets are priced in that there's going to be a strong recovery in the in the UK economy. And the vaccine role has picking up pace in the rest of the EU. So I think on that basis, you know, range trading may be the order of the day. We have the good news now, the start, we have the trade deal. We have the rapid rollout of the vaccines. We see the economy opening up in the UK. So a lot of the good news is priced in. The market's along the currency. So I think from here, um, Sterling would make would find it hard, let's say, to get back down for the euro, go back down towards 84, 85p. So range trading, we, we, we do think after a lot of movement in the first quarter of the year, markets may settle down, as I say, with central banks really having, I suppose, put policy and hold at this stage. Uh, and a global recovery taking place, not just in the US or in the UK, a global recovery now taking place, are expected to strengthen over the second half of the year, that currencies may just uh, raise trade really over the next couple of quarters, right through to the end of the summer. And then we'll see where we are in terms of what central banks are likely to do in 2022 and whether they still stick to their guns that there won't be increasing interest rates. So I think later on in the year, what will drive the currency markets will be those interest rate expectations, will be the trend in long-term interest rates. I'd say they've been a key factor in the first quarter of the year, uh, but now it looks to me like currency markets are beginning to settle down. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what the data looks like once people come out of all the supports and we see what kind of a state the economy is truly in when you're having people going back to normal. Well, John, we, 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 interestingly, last week, right, we got a load of very strong data out of the US. Now, two factors are at work. There were March data, but we had absolutely buoyant retail sales, very strong housing starts, very strong labor market data. And um, the, the dollar actually didn't budge. The market's priced it in. In fact, long-term, I thought that was interesting. And I, I could see the analysts in Bloomberg and others, other networks scratching their heads saying, why are bond yields falling now if, if the data is so strong? I think that, that rebound is priced in. And we'll get data out of the UK this week. We'll have labor market data. We'll have uh, retail sales. And again, we're... We expect to see a big, the beginnings of a strength in, in activity data as the economy uh, opens up. And hopefully over the course of quarter two and quarter three, you know, as vaccines are rolled out within the EU and indeed in Ireland, we will see a strengthening of data as well. So I think markets have more or less taken that on board. I mean, the, the key for them is that they, they look to the pace of the rollout of vaccinations. They see that what this means in terms of the restrictions on, on activity. They see economies beginning to open up. They know there's been a big buildup of private sector savings. They know there's a lot of fiscal stimulus in the, in the system. Uh, so markets, I think, are, at this stage are looking for a strong rebound in growth everywhere over the balance of the year. And as such, if, 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 it's, if it's happening in Japan, it's happening in the EU, it's happening in the UK, it's in the US, well, then it makes it hard to call the direction in currency movements. And I say a lot of the bets have been taken off the table by traders in that regard. And only looking to the week ahead and the data, I suppose the ECB meeting has to be the stick-out event this week. Are they going to say much? Do you think it's going to concentrate on what's going on now with their um, quantitative um, easing kind of programs or where do you think the folks will be? Yeah, I think, as I said, they announced an acceleration in the pace of bond purchases six weeks ago when they last met. Believe it or not, I think the, 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 the statement uh, and the meeting outcome probably won't contain much in terms of new information. Often in these cases, it's the subsequent press conference that follows where people questions to the ECB president, uh, Madame Lagarde. And you actually could see questions beginning like, well, if the economy is picking up, how long do you intend to run your quantitative easing program for at these levels? Will you start to taper? Taper is a big word in markets, which means both in the US and in the, um, in the UK and in the Eurozone, 
that the central banks are actually start to scale back the amount of bond purchases that they're doing. So, I mean, this will come well before any uh, rate increases. But if activity is picking up, central banks might feel comfortable in terms of, well, actually, we've got to provide, we, we don't have to provide as much support to the markets as we have done over the last 12 months. So it, it might be different for the last year. You know, the questions at the press conference are, what easing are you going to do? How long is it going to remain in place? Are you going to do more quantitative easing? Our rates are going to go lower. The tone of the questions, it wouldn't surprise you, might start to change in terms of, uh, well, actually, when do you think you might start to tighten policy or scale back in the amount of monetary stimulus you provided? So, and I'm sure the ECB will will knock back on that and say we need to maintain very loose monetary conditions. Inflation is below target. We're only at the start of recovering economic activity. This has been a very deep recession, so ongoing support is it will be required for a long period of time. But it will be interesting if analysts and journalists pose the questions in terms of what's the exit strategy here in terms of how long will this monetary policy accommodation be put in place or remain in place, I should say. So that might be the most interesting aspect of what follows in terms of the ECB, ECB meeting on Thursday. And Ollie, I previously remember when we were having, when tapering was first used during the end of the last uh, crisis, if you call it, it had a big kind of impact on the futures market in particular, if I remember. But given the complexity of what's going on with COVID and whatever, do you think that tapering conversation conversation is going to cause as much um, directional change in the markets? Or do you think it'll have to be there for a while before it impacts? Yeah, you, you are right in that regard. If you remember, it was called the taper tantrum, particularly in the US. And what happened when the Fed started to scale back on the extent of bond purchases, we saw a sharp sell-off in bond markets, market rise in bond yields, and a feed-on effect into stock markets. So I think the um, given the depth of this recession, you can take it that the uh, this will be a very gradual process uh, and it may be slow to commence. And from the central bank's point of view, they, they will try and ensure that it's a smooth process. Now, it can, it can be hard to engineer. The last thing they want to see is a very sharp rise. We've already seen a rise in bond yields in the US and in the uh, UK this year. The last thing they want to do is trigger further sharp rise in bond yields because that's effectively monetary tightening. So I think you can expect maybe a very much gradual approach, trying to learn the lessons. I think it was back in 2013, 2014. And if you remember that stage, you know, um, they may have started tapering back in 2013. The ECB never increased interest rates in the last decade. And the Fed only started to increase at a very slow pace a number of, year ap- a number of years afterwards from 2016. So I think they'll be pointing to that history in terms of just because we're beginning to scale back asset purchases and provide less uh, fiscal, or sorry, monetary accommodation does not mean that rate hikes are on the horizon or anything like it. Look back to what we did the last time. We gradually ran down the scale of our asset purchases, but we, we were a long way before we started to increase rates. And in the case of the ECB, they never did. But, but you are right. That's going to have to be a very carefully managed exercise that it doesn't cause dislocation in financial markets. Oliver, many thanks for the update and a big thanks to our customers, colleagues and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest markets developments, please subscribe to AB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. And for those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find the details of AIB support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. 
Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.